So I think it's really important when you look at migrating or transforming, I look at migrating also as transforming, you're going to transform into this person that does these amazing things or handles wealth or makes a difference in the world. You've got to think about, you know, how does the process get you toward a bigger and better why for you, for your family, for the world? Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Bronson Hill, my good friend. We run in the same similar circles. And I wanted to... uh, Bronson, why don't you introduce yourself? Very brief introduction, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into your story once we start. Okay, awesome. Socket, it's so glad to be here. Uh, Socket's affectionately known as Socket the Rocket, so I love being on Socket show, so I'm really excited to be here. So yeah, my journey, I was a well-paid professional. Uh, I worked in medical sales, medical device sales, and making over 200000 per year, and I just, I really wanted more freedom. I realized that it was the golden handcuffs where the job was good enough that it was hard to walk away from. I was only working 20, 30 hours a week, but I wanted to have more freedom over my time. I wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to be able to pursue the interests that I love. And I have a lot of outside interests. And so I wanted to have the flexibility to work how I wanted to work and in the ways that I wanted to work. So started, I thought, like most people do, that by buying single family houses and renting them out, that maybe that would lead to financial independence. And it really didn't. It just led to a lot more work and a lot of headaches. I had a small single family portfolio. I had a relative that had been doing multifamily for 25 years. He said, hey, man, this is a lot of work. Why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. He said, you can raise the money. So that was that conversation was just over four years ago. And now I've raised $27 million. We have over 200 million in multifamily assets. I was able to quit my great corporate job, which my whole family and friends, everybody thought it was crazy, but I did it and I've had no regrets. It's been about a year ago. I, I quit my job and just able to help people to achieve financial freedom through passive investing in uh, various investments, including multifamily. That is awesome. And there's so much wealth right in there. Before we jump into the questions, so I want to ask you a few things, right? So one is the name of our show is Migrate to Wealth. And what does the word migrate mean to you? So migrate, you know, we were talking about this a little before we started, just the idea of transformation or, you know, what are you migrating to? And I think we're always migrating. We're either either moving forwards or we're moving backwards or maybe we change our location. But I think for me, when I think of the word migrate, I I think of, you know, a goal. I think of like, okay, I have a goal that I want to be worth X amount in five years or 10 years or 20 and have goals for those. I want to be able to spend this amount of time with my family. I want to be able to travel. I want to write a book. There's all these things I want to do that I haven't yet done. And so the idea of, you know, I look at, you know, migrating or migration as kind of a transformative process where it's the person that you become while you're going after whatever the goal is. And it could be you're physically moving, could be you move from, you know, for me, I quit my job, which was amazing. So there was a migration there to be able to, you know, be not only self-employed, but hopefully to be, you know, financially free and really help others to do that and create more of a a system and a business that does that rather than me just working in my business. But I think just really the idea of having goals, only 3% of Americans have written goals. And so if you have a written goal or somewhere you want to go, it's just one or a few things and you reflect on them regularly, you're ahead of most people. And I've watched as I've done those things, my net worth has gone up 20x the last four to five years. And, you know, I can just go down the list. I lost 30 pounds, kept it off. I've had a lot of different transformations and it's come from really having a focus and not just movement, but just really, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be in a year? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And focusing on that. 
Wow, that's pretty powerful, Bronson. Of course, again, I could take every single word and talk at length uh, to you about that. But let's talk about one specific example of your migration, your life's journey where a migration from to to something was a life-changing event for you. I think you've talked a few times now about you moving from W2 to being financially free. I want you to pick another example. Yeah. So for me, about six years ago, I went through a divorce. You know, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not, you Sorry know, about that. everybody's situation is different. But for me, that was a real challenge I went through. And I looked, I was about 30 pounds overweight. And I just really felt like I wanted to get in better shape. And so to me, I really worked on it. I just, what I did is I bought a scale. I started weighing myself every day. And then I started to kind of make correlations. Okay, if I have three cheeseburgers at night, you know, it might not affect me well on the scale the next morning. And not to obsess over it, but just to kind of have something that when you record something or have information on something, it allows you to be able to change it. And so for me, you know, part of it now, one of the things I do, we just talked about this a little earlier, I'm doing some of these obstacle course races. And for those that don't know what that is, it's where you basically pay money to go and run through mud and, you know, climb over things. And Remind us, why do you do that again, Bronson? <laughs> <laughs> it's the person you become in the process. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not about the destination, it's the journey. All so, of that, all of um, that. All of it, yeah. So for me, I made a goal and I didn't start doing the obstacle course racing when I first started, but I just said, you know, I, I want to feel better about the way I look. I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. I want to allow myself the opportunity to really grow and be the person I want to be. And I think up until I'm 41 now, but I was about 35 at the time. And I just, you know, it's funny. I could eat, I used to be able to eat everything I wanted. Now I have to kind of, you know, just be aware of what I eat and how it affects me. But it really allowed me to uh, have a breakthrough in one area. And I feel like this is just kind of how life is. If you have a breakthrough in one area of your life, mm -hmm. there's a lot of transference that can come into other areas of your life. So as I had some breakthroughs in my personal life, or whether it's through my health and getting stronger and being able to run these races and lose weight, it also translated into confidence to like, I can go into starting a business. I can go into raising money for real estate. I can go into these other types of things or go into rooms with really amazing, successful people and not feel that I'm just totally out of place, right? Because you know, I'm in the process of growing and becoming someone great. So I think it's just that mindset of really having a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. There's a book by Carol Dweck and she talks about this, about mindset. And there's really those two types of mindsets. One is that you look at everything as information. Everything is growth. Everything's learning. Even when you fail, that doesn't mean you're a failure. Somebody with a fixed mindset will just say, well, this is just what it is. They'll can look like a, like themselves as a victim. But if you look at life as being a great teacher and it really allows us to continue to learn and grow, everything is information. Everything is growth. Every Everything is learning. So nothing is wasted. So that's really my perspective. And I think with my health, that's been something that I've been able to draw a lot of strength from into other areas. I love that. Also. Love the answer. And thank you for hitting on a lot of silver nuggets there. Let's go back in time in during that time that you were having, right? Kind of like migration is great. Looking back, help us walk through that process of migration. Did you just wake up one day and said that I'm going to be healthy? Because I think like you touched upon a very vulnerable time of you going through a divorce. So what right. was your state of mind and how were you? What were the emotions and what made you to turn that you could have gone down the drain of being a victim to then jump out of it as a victor and take care of aspects in your own control? Help us walk through that process. Yeah. So there's a quote by Tony Robbins that says, it's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. So yeah, I think it was one day I woke up and I was just looking in the mirror. I weighed myself and I think I just didn't have a scale. And I was like, wow, I actually am. I, I think I just didn't realize I'd gain like 20 or 30 pounds. And I was just, it kind of happened pretty suddenly. Some of the stuff I was going through, I just think I had used eating as a way to kind of cope with it. 
But once I realized like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I want to do. Actually, I do remember the moment. I kind of forgot exactly when the moment was, but I was actually on vacation in Hawaii and I was taking some time out to just kind of reflect. And this was kind of after I went through the divorce, was going through it. And I just, I remember just kind of looking, I was like, well, what do I want my life to look like? You know, after there's some journaling, what do I want my body to look like? What do I want my different things in my life? And I feel like, oh, okay, this is something that I can do. And so I just, I made a decision and then I'm just going to start eating differently. And I'm going to try to get back closer to my high school weight, you know, which I'm not quite at my high school weight. I think I'm a little stronger in some ways and I have other, you know, there's pluses and minuses, but I think, you know, it's interesting the word migrate because migration is a process. You know, if you think of the word migration, I think there's like software or tech stuff, you migrate from mm-hmm. one system to another. And that's a process like, oh, your internet's going to be down for while you're migrating from here to there. It's not an instantaneous thing. And if you move, if you're an immigrant, you move from one country to another. If you're looking for transformation in your life, it's not a immediate thing. It happens right away. And so there's a lot of process that goes into it. And I just have this idea that, you know, if you fall in love with the process, even if it's hard, and I remember going to yoga classes and just having a really hard time. There's some hard yoga classes out there. If you've never tried yoga, it's, it can be tough. I just remember <laughs> just getting on the treadmill and running and trying to do weights and really getting into some of the classes that would really kind of kick my butt. And I just remember feeling like, man, this is really hard. But I knew if I just kept at it, I would get stronger. I would lose the weight. I would be able to, you know, have the body and the health that I wanted. And so I just kind of kept that in mind and just kept working at it. And I realized like, okay, this is where I want to be. And again, I think if you keep the goal in mind and you just really continue to fall in love and realize the process, it's like when I, you know, I, I also think of the, like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, right? It happens kind of over this magical way and it just all of a sudden mm-hmm. happens, but through that, there's an amount of time that has to go by. And obviously that's more of a natural thing. It takes much more intention to lose 30 <laughs> pounds, usually, unless you have a health issue or something just happens spontaneously. But yeah, I, I do think it begins with decision and that it, there is a process. And if you get easily frustrated, you'll give up because we revert to back to what we're used to. So if we have these habits and whatever our habits are, you know, we make our habits and then our habits make us. So if we want to change something, it takes what, like 30 days or 60 days or how many days to actually make a habit. So, you know, going to the gym every day or eating differently, just making those choices day after day, it begins to change. But I think it really started with that decision that like, I want to change. I want to lose this weight and I want to feel better. And it basically worked because I just kept that in mind. That's awesome. So help us understand what is your technique or what is your process or what is your secret sauce to start to love the process because you didn't start loving you had a great goal in mind right but the process was you could have easily given up every single day because (laughs) everything is hard at the beginning then it becomes easy and then you fall in love with it so how does that what is your process I don't know if it always comes easy, but I've been telling myself, you know, it's interesting what we tell ourselves are really important. So if we tell ourselves, oh, I hate this, or I hate, you know, I I wish I could eat this or whatever, then we start to like, we don't really fully commit to it. I'm thinking of this more fresh. And I laughed just a minute ago as I, I'm training for another obstacle course race, a Spartan race. It's the longest one I've ever done. It's 13 miles. It's coming up here in about a month and a half. And it's 3,700 feet of elevation climb. So it's 13 miles and 3,700 feet of elevation and 30 obstacles. So it's a lot. And so what I've realized is that for me to be really good at that race, what I need to do is I've got to just run tons of hills. I've yeah. just got to like get it to let, you know, if hundred percent is a got to feel comfortable keeping it at like 75, 80% of my max of just my heart rate and running whatever, and just keep it there. And so yesterday I got on the treadmill and the stair machine, I did it and, it, and it, you know, to be honest, it wasn't fun. I mean, it was, I did it and I was glad I did it, but how do you fall in love with that process? Cause I mm-hmm. realized like for me, if I can just do that, enjoy it, really find a way. And I think a lot of it comes to like really visualizing 
myself? How do I want to compete? Because actually now I'm competitive. We're actually compete with other people my age and I'm trying to continue to improve my scores and my times. And you know, I finished my high score so far as 10th of 79 for running a, this was a 10K, a little bit shorter, but you know, I know I can get better. I know I can improve. So it's about being the best that I can be. So it's falling in love with that and realizing, okay, I have this goal. I can train. It's a couple months of really good training and what do I need to do? And I, I visualize myself while I'm actually running that race. And so maybe if it's losing weight, it may be more like visualizing myself in the mirror or visualizing myself mm-hmm. at the beach. I actually learned this from my friend, Robert Helms through the goals event. I basically had this picture. He talked about this. You take a picture of what you want your ideal body to look like, and then you superimpose your face on it. So I did, I did <laughs> I had a picture of these three guys that are totally ripped that are That's running awesome. Spartan race. And then I just like superimpose my face. That kind of doesn't fit really. Well, but it's like, okay, wow, it's a reminder. look like that. It, it's it a is. visual it's a reminder. reminder. So when I look yeah. in the mirror and it's, these things are all like, they seem kind of woo-woo or a little bit can seem a little strange if you're not used to them, but they're really powerful. And so the idea of affirmations, the idea of like having even a vision board or what does that look like, seeing that regularly. And I have that in my bathroom. I can see that image every single day. And we're going to say, this is what I want to look like. This is the type I want to I want to come check your bathroom, man. And- <laughs> I want to see that super important yeah. image. <laughs> I'll, I'll share it with you sometimes. The next time you're in Pasadena, you let me know. We'll, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> so, uh, so, Bronson, I think this is great. So, I'm assuming you're a very goal-oriented person and goals what drives you towards migration. Yeah, I think goals are really important. I think the biggest thing that drives me really, and I think it's important in the conversation of migration is to whatever you're migrating to is just you really, what is your why? There's this book by mm-hmm. Simon Sinek that talks about start with why. So I, cause I can have a goal that's like, oh, I just, I want to be, you know, and goals are good. I like having being, you know, being in shape. For me, I think my biggest why is that I want to be a great dad. I want to be around a long time. I want to be healthy. Um, I also want to cause I really believe in is really ending human slavery in the world. And people don't realize there's 20 to 40 million human slaves today, more than we've ever had in the history of the world. And these are just, you know, kids sometimes, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, or, you know, many people are all over the world, 99% of them are never rescued. And so it's just, it's really, really hard to believe there's that many people So to me, that's kind of a driver of, okay, you know, my health is a part of that. If I can stay healthy longer, if I can invest and I can serve other people, then I I can create wealth and I can have ways to find it. If I can be a part of organizations, I'm a part of a nonprofit called Dressember, where we help to create awareness and help fight human trafficking in the world. So, but to me, a lot of my, you know, you start with the why and what is, who am I? What's the impact I want to make? Have you been through the Create Your Future event? I love that. Because it it, it just starts with, okay. I'm really hoping to repeat it. Yeah, I've done it twice and I kind of recreate it on my own each year now, but I basically go through that. And what you do is you start with, you know, who are you? What are the things that make you angry? What makes you happy? What are you excited about? Whatever. And you're trying to figure out who are you based on your passions as well as what do you find really meaningful? And there's, and that's different for everybody. I know you have a strong passion, a strong why, and I do as well. And so from there, then you can go from, okay, here's my mission statement. This is what I'm doing with my life. And then from there, then you can fit these goals into that. And you see if your goals actually fit, you know, it's not like, okay, yeah. I want to make billions of dollars and live on a yacht somewhere and whatever. And that's great. Well, how does that fit into your why? Mm-hmm. If you get the other, if you only get this like nice flashy goal, but you don't, it doesn't really fit in with your mission. It's going to be really empty for you. You're going to get yeah. everything you want and then you're not, you're going to feel like there's a disconnect, right? So I think it's really important when you look at migrating or transforming, I look at migrating also is transforming. You're going to transform into this person that does these amazing things or handles wealth or makes a difference in the world. You've got to think about, you know, how does process get you toward a bigger and better why for you, for your family, for the world? I love that. Love that, Bronson. As usual, lots of wisdom in what you share. I want to go back to a few things here. So I think for those of you who did not get 
the program or the class or the coaching that Bronson was talking about. It is Goals Retreat from our good friends at Real Estate Guys. It's uh, life facilitated by Robert Helms that both Bronson and I have the opportunity to spend some time with. If you have not checked it out already, make sure you check it out. It's going to happen in Vegas again this time. I think it's in Jan of 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's called Create Your Future. Yeah, it's Create, called your, create future. your Future. Yeah. It's actually taking time away from everything else that's happening in your life and focus mm-hmm. on you. And when Absolutely. I say you, it's only you, nobody else. Yeah, It's a transformative set three days that you can ever go through. You know, I want to say something about that real quick too. I know you're bringing up something, another question, but I think taking those pauses, whether it's going to that retreat, I actually do, I try to do now three to four times a year retreat for a couple of nights. I'm actually going away this week for a couple of nights just to reflect like what's mm-hmm. working, what's not working. How am I meeting my goals? How am I not in my personal life, in my business? If I want to create something new, it, it really helps if I get away and just create that time and space to think. Cause a lot of times I get so focused on goals that I can miss the why and I can miss the, you know, Great. am I really getting where I want to go? Kind so I think sick. that like some people are really goal oriented, but they kind of miss that, like that whole step of like really reflecting and evaluating on how it's actually working. And I, so I think that's important. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, folks like Steve Jobs and I know you and I, I wouldn't compare myself to Steve Jobs for sure, but he would always say, take a month off, take a week off, take a year off, just read and reflect, read and reflect. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates says the same thing. He goes away for a week and with a bunch of books and that's all he does, right? So your idea of a pause, it actually forces you to be in your own company and hopefully you're not sleeping. Hopefully you are thinking through different things in life and getting a break from everything else, the routine. Yeah, that's it. I can see that's very being very powerful. So uh, Bronson, shifting a gear, right? So you said that you take retreats every now and then. You travel a lot. You are attending a lot of conferences. And at the beginning, you mentioned that you wanted to gain some time back. That's when you migrated from your W-2 or a corporate job to more of a owner of your own time through passive wealth and whatnot. Help us understand that journey, right? What was your journey looking like of migrating to wealth? And before you answer that question, what does a world wealth mean to you? The word wealth to me is basically prospering. Just what does it mean to prosper? Our friend Chris Martinson, Dr. Chris mm-hmm. Martinson talks about different forms of mm-hmm. capital, right? And capital is just a store of value. So you have monetary or some sort of, you know, I guess there's just different ways to do it. You know, money, dollars, I'm trying to think less outside of, you know, in dollars mm-hmm. and more in things like physical stuff, such as gold and silver and oil or commodities or other things, but there's also things such as social capital, right? There's relationships, there's emotional capital, being able to, when you go through something difficult, being able to be resilient, there's spiritual capital, I think, you know, being able to have a good spiritual faith and being able to really, you know, connect with God. I think that's all really important. And so there's different ways, but I think at the end of the day, it it comes down to us really having an abundant life. And I think when we're able to be generous, we're able to help others, we're able to just live life and enjoy the moment and not you know, be overwhelmed. I think that's a big part of wealth for me and my journey. I mean, there's a lot there, I think to talk about, but you know, me, I think going through all of it, it was interesting when I made that decision that, okay, I'm going to leave my job within four or five years. I didn't leave my job in three years from when I started, but I wanted to leave my job as soon as I could. And so I made that a goal, but I actually ended up working initially harder 
than I was working because obviously I had my job that was full time. And, and I actually, as I ramped up, I was able to kind of do less hours there. So instead of doing 40 plus hours or 40, 50 hours, I kind of brought it down to maybe 20, 30 hours. And I had to kind of coach myself that it was okay not to be a rock star in medical sales like I had been. I'd been a president's club winner, which is top 10%, uh, four out of eight eligible years. I did very well. So I had to kind of like coach myself that it's okay, just a okay rep or you know salesperson here, but I want to be exceptional at learning about multifamily. I want to be exceptional about making connections with partners and really serving investors. And so there's a process when you're starting out, whatever it is, if you want to leave your job or do something different, there's a lot of work and time that goes into it. But hopefully if you enjoy it, if you like what you're learning, if you're curious, and I think curiosity is one of the best qualities somebody can have is just being curious how things work. Why do people feel this way? What happens in this situation? And you know, reading books, all the stuff, Like I think it's great. So I think the process of going through it, it's a lot of learning, a lot of you put, hitting my head up against the wall, but then just realizing like, oh, okay, I can learn and I can try something different. And then finding, okay, I got some real breakthrough. I made a big partnership with a syndicator that was really successful. And that's really what took me from, I'd raised $100,000 after about six months of trying. And then I, it took me to like, now I've, you know, a couple of years after that, or 18 months later, I'd raised 15 million. So it really started out very small, but then the more I stayed in it, the more I stayed with it, it led to exponential growth. And I think that's what is really exciting about real estate is that you can have mm-hmm. exponential growth, unlike a lot of other you know types of businesses. So what was your why to get your time back? I understand for the health, it was your family, your time with your daughter, being around for her. What was the motivation for, let's talk money for a second, right? Because there's a lot of things that money cannot buy, but there's a lot of things that money right. can buy. One of them is time. Yeah. Yeah. So my motivator was a couple of reasons. One is that I did, I wanted my time back in the medical field. You know, people just don't take a lot of time off. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. a couple of physicians that worked 80 hours plus a week and they were making $3 million a year, which is a lot of money, but they couldn't dial back the work. They had to just, and they were kind of stuck there. And to me, like I wanted the ability to travel. I wanted the ability to, you know, spend time with my daughter and to write books or read more. So, you know, in 2020, I was able to read 87 books. You know, this year, my goal is 60 books. Awesome. I, I love, love reading. I've traveled five times internationally this year. So, you know, like I love being able to have freedom over it and to be able to structure a business, to be able to structure my life the way I want to structure it. Now I can kind of take a couple of days midweek and I can go up and I can reflect and do a hike and kind of get some perspective. So I think I've just just really enjoyed that type of deep thinking and to really be a creator. I think to be someone like yourself, who's creating something, you're creating opportunities for people to invest in your deals. You're creating a show like this where people can learn. And to me, I want to be a creator. And I think to be a creator, there's that quote by Steve Jobs where he said, and I'm going to butcher it, but he said something like, when you realize that everything that you see was created by people that are no smarter than you, it will change the way you look at the world. Basically kind of the idea that like love that anything we see out here, it's all just yeah. stuff that people thought of. I mean, you know, they just, Oh, I'm going to create the iPhone. I'm going to create a, anything you see, just, you know, microphones and all yeah. these, whatever it is. So I think that's, what's really amazing. So when you see people like Elon Musk or people in real estate or other areas that are really innovating and doing awesome stuff, it's like, you know, I want to be somebody who really helps people in that way. Love that Bronson. That's good. So let's switch gears into you use the word multifamily quite a few times. So let's dig deeper into that. So multifamily, for those of you who don't know, it essentially means apartments. Another fancy word for apartments is multifamily. So Bronson, why did you pick multifamily? That's, you know, as you're saying this, I just totally off the topic. I was doing this presentation on multifamily, but either myself or my assistant spelled it mullet family. Mullet family, <laughs> so there you go. So we used the right letters, but it was like M-U-L-I-T. So it was like mullet family. Mullet I family, I like that. Stuff. I think we should start so, that up. 
Exactly. Uh, so I, have, I now I have a mullet. So if you were listening, <laughs> you could, but <laughs> on a serious note, multifamily is great. I mean, I call it the bread and butter of invest real estate investing. It's something that allows people to scale their wealth passively. So if somebody's a physician, a business owner, a retiree, they can invest passively. Their job is to vet the team that's operating it and to vet the deal. And if the deal makes sense and they feel good about the team, they can put a small amount of money in, you know, for some people that have a high net worth, you know, they're worth a few million or 5 million, they could put 50 or a hundred thousand in a deal and they can kind of get used to, okay, what is this like to invest in this? And mm-hmm. where I get really excited is where people, they start seeing distributions and they're like, aha, this actually works or they see I actually can get 15, 20% a year, uh, you know, from a deal, right? I can see there's a level of predictability with the cash flow, and it's just much different and much more attractive than investing in the highs and lows of wall street. And so, which I, at one point was an investment advisor. And so I kind of saw behind the curtain, if you will, from the, you know, like the wizard of Oz, like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain that wall street is wall street is really set up to cheat people. It really is just through fees mm-hmm. and through just transaction costs and hidden stuff. It's you know, they'll get paid if you keep your stuff in, but over 50% of large fund managers in Wall Street don't have a single dollar invested in the fund. And that should be a real tell like, oh, maybe this isn't the best investment, right? You know, so we invest, yeah. you know, our team puts five to 10% of the money in as far as the money raised typically in most deals. But I think because of the tax benefits, because of the less volatility, there's an incredible inflation hedge that's there. Rents generally rise with inflation. And we use leverage when we buy these things. You know, we put 20 to 30% down, a property only has to go up by 20 to 30% for us to actually double the investor equity, which mm-hmm. is amazing. So especially with all the money printing and inflation. So I see it as just a huge way to really hedge inflation, save on taxes and grow your cash flow. That's perfect. I think I'm a firm believer in multifamily being a core of everyone's portfolio. Maybe not the only thing. Mine is, I'm sure yours is. And so is a lot of our investors. So that makes sense. So given the uncertainty in the market right now, I know you're a big fan of macro as well, like myself. You know, what do you see in the market right now? And how are you coaching your team, your investors, of how to look at the market and what's happening? And what are you doing anything differently? Yeah, I'm seeing it's really interesting what happens. You know, Warren Buffett has this saying, he says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And a lot of people are afraid right now. And I think the, the, the mind that's afraid just kind of says no. The challenge mm-hmm. is if I have money, let's say I've got 100K or a million dollars, whatever the amount is, and I leave it in the bank, inflation right now is officially 9.1%. Unofficially, I think it's 15 to 18% Probably. or higher. Yeah. So that means if I just leave my 100K in the bank, I'm probably losing about 40% of the purchasing power over the next two years. And so if somebody's like, oh, I'm waiting for a crash or I'm waiting for values to come down, I don't think that we're going to have a big crash in valuation because they created about just over, it was 40.9% new currency. So physical currency that's been printed or money that went out through stimulus and is in bank accounts increased by 40.9% over a two-year period from February of 2020 to February of 2022. We haven't really had a time in recent history where that's happened. So we're going to continue to see perpetually high inflation because of all this money creation. And even some of these new things that are passed now about the Inflation Reduction Act, which actually, it's actually more inflation. That's another episode to record. Yeah, that's another Uh, episode. But the idea really is, I see a lot of people just kind of, I'm not sure, what do I do, whatever. But the problem is you don't want to be in cash. If you're in cash, you know, the saying is cash is trash, right? Mm -hmm. I think Ray Dalio said that, that if you can get into assets that you go from cash to asset 
to cash flow, as our friend Robert Rus- or Russell Gray says, you know, you're going to do very well because you're going to have an asset that pays you to hold it as an inflation hedge. So I see great opportunities. We're seeing discounts. I call them discounts at the register now. Mm-hmm. We're getting we're actually ready to close on a multifamily property. The rates are going a little higher, but we have interest rate caps. So we know, at least for our deals, they're not going to go up six to six and a half percent, which we're comfortable with. And then we just see incredible upside and rents are continuing to rise. So we feel like it's just an incredible opportunity. We have investors that are really taking advantage of it. But it is it's interesting how the confused or scared mind will just kind of pull back. But I, I tell people, I, I think this is a great time. I think with everything that is going on, I think it's a great time to get into more hard assets. I couldn't agree more with you, right? So we're doubling down on our acquisitions. We're being more right. cautious and making sure that underwrite a little differently for to account for all the rising rates. But I think I'm in full concurrence with you. It's just temporary volatility. It's got to stabilize. We will see what the mm-hmm. future is to hold. But an asset like a multifamily could not be a better inflation hedge if yeah. bought properly, right? That's the key part. You got to yeah. be with a company, we got to be with a team who knows what they're doing. You don't buy a mullet family, you know, because a mullet you family. You do not want to buy a mullet big, family. Haircut, and if you want to buy down. a mullet family, I know the, just the guy who you should go to. <laughs> That's right. I also cut hair. Now, on your point, though, I think I do see some risk in especially newer class A apartments. And mm-hmm. people are huge on this stuff. A lot of the big investment firms, the REITs and everything. And I think that, you know, if you're buying in general, if rents go up, you're doing well. But if rents go down, especially a brand new apartment, those are ones that typically, like where I live in Pasadena, California, a two bedroom goes for about 4,200 mm-hmm. in a nice, you know, kind of class A apartment, but they're not going to get that in a recession. They might get 3,500 or 3,000. So I do see some risk around that. But I think a value add approach where you're renovating units and you're seeing, like, we have one right now in Jacksonville that I can talk about. We, uh, it's about $1,000 of the average rents through this 227 units. And as we put $6,000 in per unit, we'll see it. The average rent is $1,566 is Mm -hmm. what CoStar is saying the average rent. So that's a 57% upside. And these are already stabilized. You know, these are 95% occupied buildings with just a huge upside. So Warren Buffett again talks about the margin of safety, right? Buying stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a margin of safety. So even if rates go way high or valuations come down or whatever, we still are safe because of that, giving that upside of the value add there. Yeah, and I agree. I think the, the you know the whole thing about class B and class C is if the market overall does well, people are gonna upgrade from C to B. If the market does yeah. not do well and people don't feel that wealthy, people from they start losing the jobs. People from A are gonna go to B's and C's. So B's mm-hmm. and C's are always gonna be a catch-all. So I think that's exactly my strategy as well. And I love to hear that, that your that's your perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Bronson, no, where how do you find your partners? You mentioned early on that you predominantly work with other partners and you raise capital. What does that process look like for you? How do you run your own due diligence? Yeah, so I do. You know, a lot of it. I'm not just so we'll talk about being a capital raiser. I mean, I think to do it in a compliant way, you've got to be a part of the team. So to me, I basically try to find people that I see what they're doing. Uh, there are people of integrity that have good reputations. I know you've been in this industry a while too, mm-hmm. so you're very well connected. And we know the people that do well. We know the people that have a reputation for not as much. And I get tons of offers to work with people. I just am really selective. And so I've got some now that I've worked with on six deals or more. And so I just, we know kind of how to work with each other. We like working with each other. It's kind of what you see is what you get on both sides. And, you know, it's not that it's perfect. We get along really well, very similar values. And so I look for that. And then, you know, I have my process where I'll look at a deal 
first, I spend a lot of time with who the operator is and what their values are, what they're doing. I'll actually background check every partner who's in a deal that's on the operating side. And I'll just make sure that, you know, I get to know them. And then I'll look at, you know, I, I'm not somebody who goes out and finds deals. That's kind of a whole nother skill set. So I look at a deal when it's presented to me and then I'll do underwriting. I'll make sure that, hey, does this, you know, fit my parameters and do I like it? And okay, well, if I choose to invest, then I actually go to the property. I'll do some diligence and be part of the diligence team. I'll go look at competing properties. And then, you know, if I choose, I'll bring my investors to it as far as, you know, just bringing it as an investment opportunity. And then I'm part of the asset management team. I'm not the primary asset manager, but I'm a part of that team. So I do raise money, which is a part of it. And then I also work with investors after we close, which is called investor relations. So those are kind of two separate things, raising capital investor relations. So I'm involved in the whole process, but I think the biggest thing about finding good partners in the beginning, you don't always have the choice of who mm-hmm. you're going to work with. You just, you just want to do a deal. You just want to have somebody who's going to give you a chance to raise money or to maybe work with you on a deal. Maybe you found a deal and you're going to find the money and it can be hard in the beginning. But after a while, it's like, I like having my, one of my operating partners has 28 years of experience and 13,000 units and just a stellar reputation. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I don't have and I will never, I don't need to have, right. Because I've got him on the team. So a lot of times right. when we think, you know, especially single family, it's all just, Oh, who are you and who am I? What are you doing? It's like multifamily is such a team sport. And so, you know, we can pull the people in and we can find people that have strengths or we have weaknesses. It makes everything work much better. Awesome. Bronson. So let's shift gear here. So I think few things I heard from you, right. Kind of like, it's all about mindset. It's all about goal. It's all about your why. It's about your purpose. You've given us a lot of quotes today. So you're definitely well read. You love your heroes that you follow. That's all amazing, right? So let me ask you this. What is one question that you want our listeners to leave with that can propel them with intentional migration? One question that you ask yourself all the time, that you ask your friends or family to ask themselves, what is that one question? I think the biggest question to ask in this space, whether it's especially in real estate or in business, is, you know, how am I creating value for others? And we talked about value add in multifamily deals. But when I work with partners, when I work with, you know, people that I bring on to my these monthly webinars and have some amazing guests on there. So how do I bring value to them? How am I adding value to the listeners? And if we're just really looking at people in our lives, and especially in our family, our friends, we're looking at how can I really bring value to the people around me? People love, it's such an attractive thing, right? People will always want to be around. They'll always want to find ways. And when you need a favor or you need help, you know, is there anybody you can introduce me to that has this? Or you'll reach out to your network and you'll find there's an outpouring of people that just really care about you or care about your stuff because you've been someone who's really put them first and you've thought about how can we create win-win here, right? How can we create a, a situation where if I, can I help this person in any way, even if it's just an introduction or it's a, hey, you know, it won't work to invest with us, but you should talk to my friend Socket, right? Mm-hmm. And that'll put a lot of good goodwill both with the investor as well as with you, right? So it's just trying to find a way to add value. And if you just are somebody who's just helpful, there will always be a place for you in business because most people don't operate that way. But I think it really is a karma type of thing. If you just put it out there, it will always, always, always come back one way or another. And I know, Bronson, you're not just saying it. You actually live with that. You're a great, you're always looking at that. Anytime I've come to you with a question, you always have an answer. Or if you don't have an answer, you don't shy away from introducing me to somebody who has an answer. Mm. So I know you're looking for, you're always trying to add value. So love that question. So last question, my friend, as in what is your wish or desire for the humanity to migrate towards collectively? Yeah, this is a good show, man. You take it all the way to the deepest level there. I think 
For me, this is a very personal answer. And, you know, it's just kind of the approach that I have. I look at, you know, from the deepest level that life is about stewardship, that I feel like this is a gift we really have from God or whatever somebody's belief system to me. I believe there's a God and I believe that he's given us, you know, there's a lot of challenges on the planet, but I also believe that there's also, we can become part of the solution to a lot of these things. And I think that when we don't have a sense of purpose, we don't have a sense of, you know, everything is in my life is just an accident and there's really no purpose for my life or when I die. I think that stuff is, it can be harmful because I think it really can pull away from the idea that, you know, no, like this is an opportunity. Like today will never come again. This conversation mm-hmm. will never happen again. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe like something happened to one of us. I was like, Hey, we had that conversation sure. that was really meaningful. And as I get older, I find, you know, more people, my friends, like it just, it happens where you see people, they move on or they, their lives change or they eventually, you know, they pass away. It's just, I think really making the most of today. So I think the biggest thing of all that is just, I guess, you know, people really getting in touch with their purpose, people getting in touch with, and that book by Simon Sinek, they'll start with why I think it's so important. I think the real estate guys event of, you know, create your future is so important because if you don't start with that, uh, you don't get clarity there. You'll never, you'll just kind of feel like you're going through life. And I think it's a tragedy. Awesome, Bronson. That's great wisdom there. Look, I can talk to you forever. You know that, Bronson. Um, <laughs> I love it. You're so good to talk to you. There's hours of wisdom. Like, I would love to take, pick your brain on every single thing here. But uh, I want to respect your time. But thank you again for coming on our show and sharing your insights with our team, with our audience here. Where can people find you? If they love, which I know they will, if they need to connect with you, talk to you, pick your brain on something, and where can they find you? Yeah. So I have this great report that I wrote, or at least I feel like it's great. It's called how to use inflation to your advantage. I have read word by word and I love it. Oh, awesome. Thanks, man. But yeah, it's, it's basically how do you use debt? How do you use resources to get out of cash and into things that you can actually use it to your advantage? So that's at bronsonequity.com. We also have our investment club. If you hit the join button, you can start a relationship with us and do some deals with us. But man, I love connecting with people, whether it's actively or passively. I'm also on social media so people can reach out and I go to a lot of events. So I'd love to connect with folks in person. Awesome. Well, Bronson, I'll make sure I'll get the link for the PDF from you and also your website. I'll include that in a show notes. But thank you, everyone. We appreciate you being there. Thanks, Bronson. Thanks, man. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.